Eagle Nation, it's week three, and our football team has a huge matchup between another top 20 foe. The fourth ranked FCS Eastern Washington Eagles will travel to the number 17th ranked FCS Southern Powerhouse Jacksonville State. But before we get into this episode, I have some exciting news. This episode is brought to you by the Versus Sports Simulator app. The Versus Sports Simulator app is one of the most accurate sports analytic tools on the market today. And in the first two weeks of the season, the Versus Sports Simulator app was accurate on 80% of all college football games. That's not just FCS, that's including NAIA, D3, D2, FBS, and of course the FCS. Other top sports analytics tools like Sagarin and ESPN were hovering around 74% accurate last year. So do you want to impress your friends by potentially knowing the outcome of the games before they happen? If you answered yes, then go download the Versus Sports Simulator app. Are you going to Vegas anytime soon and looking to play some bets? Well, I have the perfect app recommendation for you. It's the Versus Sports Simulator app. You can find it today on the Google Play or iTunes Store by searching the Versus Sports Simulator app. Alright guys, now before we dive into the game, I have some really excited news. It's something we've been waiting for for a long time, ever since the debauchery of the Gateway Project. So we're going to talk about our little stadium update, Bruce Field. The board unanimously approved the $25 million plans to renovate current Bruce Field. Now, this this project is, is not completed yet, and it's going to take a lot of work from us. We have about 18 to 24 months to start basically sending our money in, start signing our checks and sending it in. You know, we've been loud the last 10 years, and now it's the time we have to really back up our talk because this stadium is only going to be funded by private donors, basically, or companies, you know, willing to sponsor something. So that means we all really need to donate. This will be our last chance. We need to donate if we want our stadium to not be the laughing stock of the FCS. Our team is a powerhouse at this level, the number two team of the decade. And right now, our football stadium is probably bottom 10% of the FCS. It lacks capacity. It lacks appeal. Somewhat embarrassing for the level of of talent we've been able to put on the field. So as our school goes after the big fish, you know, as they are looking to find companies who are willing to sponsor, donate, or strategic alumni, it's our time to shine. We need to send our money in. We need to figure out a way to make this possible. And let's have one of the best football stadiums in the FCS. Now, I'm looking at the designs right now, and there are a lot of hits. There's a couple misses, but it's it's really not that bad. Um, I will talk about what I like, what I dislike, and yeah, and, and see if it is the right type of project for us. So one thing I do love, the track is gone. I think the track is an eyesore for a football stadium, and if you are at the college level, you should not have a track around your football stadium. I'm glad they are willing to take out the track, push seating down a little closer to the field and push the track. You know, I believe it's behind the phase building is what they are proposing. And it's a three, three million state of the art track facility. So the tracks team is going to get their own amazing um, track facility too, which I think is great. So I really love the track that's gone. What I also love because this was the, the second biggest eyesore I thought was our away side seating. Our away side seating, in my opinion, was awful. And the new renderings look amazing. Um, They are going to be basically mirroring what we, I would say what we currently have, you know, definitely a little nicer, a little more um, modernized, but there's going to be some press boxes at the top. 
it uh, looks like the seating is going to be pretty much eye level with the current grandstands. So we're not going to have those temporary bleachers that look like they come from Genie High. These are legit away seating. Um, and they stretch. They don't stretch the whole field, but it looks like they at least go from the 20 to 20. So this is a huge improvement from what we currently have. And then you look at the home side, and the home side, even they're getting a facelift. It looks beautiful. They're going to be adding a lot more seat back seatings instead of just bleachers. The press box is looking like it's going to get some type of revamp. And then they have some some suites that actually look like wings coming from each side of the press box. And if you haven't seen it yet, just go to ewu.edu slash stadium. And I'm pretty sure you can find it or just Google stadium renovation for Eastern. And it's, it's a full on website. But this thing looks beautiful. This is not an eyesore. There's really nice fancy seats. Our home side now actually, you know, goes from the end of the end zone corner to the other end of the end zone corner, which it looks amazing. I mean, it, it's a much larger home side than what we currently have. The suites look amazing. There's new concession stands. Overall, the plans for this stadium is absolutely beautiful. And I love what they said. We don't need more seats. We need better seats, which I agree. The, the current seats we have right now are pretty crappy. <laughs> to say the to say the least. But now here's some things they missed and I don't I don't even really know if it's things they missed. But I know across the fan board, um the fan base, you know, I've been I've been looking at some of the tweets, some of the um comments online saying, "Whoa, we're not going to change capacity." That's a huge miss. I don't think it is a huge miss. I do think it is a miss. I don't think it's a huge miss. So the capacity is going to stay the same right at over 8,600 seats. But the best thing is they left the corner end zones empty. All of the end zones are empty, so they're taking away the current end zone seats. But it's empty. And people are asking why. We should at least have 10,000, 12,000 seats. Well, we're selling that many tickets. We're selling, you know, 9,000 tickets a game. But the people aren't showing up. I would say on average, maybe a thousand people don't show up. So we don't have the demand and need to actually close off that corner. But the best thing is they left that empty and that's not expensive. So once the demand's there, once we actually start selling out 12,000 seats regularly and people are coming in, it's overflow and we have to start turning people away. We can easily build a three quarter bowl in that section for really cheap. If you look at the pricing for the, you know, the new seats on the wayside, um, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was only like a couple million dollars. So if the demand is there, that's something that can get approved pretty easily and we can build. And then, you know, that solves that issue. I mean, they have room to really build a full bowl. I think we'll eventually have a three quarter bowl once the demand's there, but this type of stadium alone, I think will help with the demand because this is going to not feel like a high school stadium. This is going to be a real time college. Look, it's going to be a real time college feel. And it's going to bring in fans who maybe were planning on going to WSU games who even go to Eastern because, oh, it's it's a more fun game to go to. This one, since you'll be on the field, it's beautiful, it's nice, you'll want to stay, and hopefully this will help Eagle Nation, especially around the Spokane market, to really start attending these games. There's no reason why we can't sell out this stadium, 10,000, 15,000 seats every single game because we have the market available. But, but yeah, there, there's really not... Many things I hate, you know, like I said, maybe the capacity, I wish they maybe would have done 10,000, 10, 12,000 seats, but I understand the reasoning for it because demand's not there. So instead of making it look super empty, 
they're going to keep the capacity where it is, fill it up, make it look like it's a full stadium, which is going to help with the atmosphere. Now, what one thing I wish, and maybe this is just you know a pipeline dream because I do think eventually the three-quarter bowl will be filled, but if they would have kept the three-quarter bowl, filled it, and then maybe until we reach capacity, have kind of like a CenturyLink field or it, what is it? Yeah, it's still CenturyLink. I was thinking, oh, T-Mobile Park, but that's um, that's over the baseball, the Mariners. But for the Sounders games, you know, maybe have those sheets where it's Sounders and they're blocking off the 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 four hundred level. Maybe we could have done that on the end zones. You know, big old Eastern sheets that wrap from the top of the seats to the bottom, so they don't look like seats. They're not used seats. Um, but then if the the big games like Montana coming through, Idaho coming through, Montana State. Um, then we can actually open up those and you could sell out those seats. I would say that's really the only miss, but it's, it's not that much of a miss. And I don't know exactly what the price would be. I'm just happy that this this got approved. Now we can really, really work on ourselves to make this happen. Because if it doesn't happen, this is not Eastern Washington's fault. This isn't the fault of the board. This isn't the fault of the president. This fault is on us. If the stadium doesn't happen because we didn't fund enough, that's on us. We, we can't bitch anymore. We can't complain anymore. That's on us. Now, I have already donated $400, and I plan to do a monthly donation. And I'll probably, with some of my bonuses that I get every quarter, I'll, I'll donate some of that. Now, I get sometimes financials issues are different with every person, but every little bit helps. They have an awesome giving site on this you know eastern washington stadium site where you can set up for monthly plans if everyone even donates five dollars a month that's you know a starbucks drink that's gonna help out so please everyone donate give let's give the team what they deserve not the fans what we deserve because right now we don't deserve anything but let's give the team what they deserve this team deserves to have a state-of-the-art facility and guess what, guys? This is only going to help with our recruiting. Right now, we are out recruiting schools like Montana, Montana State. We're at the top tier level of the FCS in recruiting. And they come to our stadium and they're like, eh, this isn't good. This does not look great. But I want to play for a winning team. And I'm sure some I'm sure some recruits have come to the stadium and go, oh, I don't, I don't want to play here. This just reminds me too much of maybe my high school stadium. This type of a stadium won't. They'll come here and go, Cool. It's on this. It's on the smaller size, but it feels big. This stadium looks big from all the renderings and pictures. It does not look like it's the same capacity as what we have. It looks big. It looks state of the art. It looks like a real FCS college stadium. Those players, they might not switch. We might steal more. Right now, we're taking a lot of players who are getting G five offers, like Air Force, Utah State, um, Fresno State. You know, we are actually taking some of these kids. We might be able to take more now. The other year, we took a kid who got a P5 offer from Syracuse. We've taken kids who had P5 offers from Utah. Those are full scholarships. As the FBS, you know, they don't really give partials. We are taking kids from these big-time programs and small-time FBS programs, and then we're, we're definitely taking kids from, you know, every FCS program in our region. But a new stadium that's state-of-the-art, like, that looks like this, that feels like a college stadium, it's only going to help, which maybe we'll win more championships. Maybe we'll continue this big sky dominance. I'm not sure. You know, it's tough to be this successful over a long period of time. But we only have one losing season in probably 20-something years. You know, 2006 was bad. Then you got to go back to the late 90s. 
So if we have something like this, I do think our winning streak is going to continue. I do think we're going to stay at the top of the FCS. But we do need something like this. Our time is now. We need to donate. I don't think I can stress that enough. Everyone, donate a dollar. Donate five. Donate a hundred. Donate whatever you can. Any little bit helps. If it's a dollar a month, guess what? That's still a dollar a month that they did not have before this. So, guys, let's donate. Let's do what we can. And if you guys haven't seen the pictures, please go to ew.edu slash stadium. You can see it. It looks beautiful. On that site, you can also find the pledge. You can find the give. You know, you can help make this a reality. All right. Now, no more venting. But I am excited, guys. It looks amazing. We have a really, a really exciting game to talk about. Eastern Washington signed a home and away deal with Jacksonville State, who has been a powerhouse of the FCS level. They have the number four total wins, um, or number four highest total wins in the decade right behind us. Eastern has 91 so far. Um, Jacksonville State has about 86. So they're definitely a powerhouse in the FCS level. Eastern Washington 100% is, as I said earlier, we're the number two team of the decade, and we should stay that way unless maybe Sam Houston State wins a title or James Madison wins a title. Then there's some arguments on who's been better, who's been worse. But right now, we're a clear-cut number two, in my opinion. And this is a huge game. This is our FCS Fans Nation Game of the Week. It's my Eagles Hour you know, Game of the Week. It's NAU and Big Sky Podcast Game of the Week. It's the Craig Haley FCS Stats Game of the Week. We are on a national-level Game of the Week for the FCS. The game's going to be on ESPN+. It's pretty easy. If you guys don't have it, you know, you can... Find it on the ESPN app, on your computer, on any smart TV. It's like $5 a month. It's worth it. You can cancel if you don't want to pay after this month. But I actually love the ESPN+. Plus. Um, you get a lot of different games from a lot of good conferences at the FCS level, plus you know other FBS. Um, they have free UFC fights if that's your MO. So ESPN+, Plus, I'd recommend it. I pay for it. I've been paying for it for over a year now in... I'm not going to just throw it away now, especially with this game on it. I'm, I'm really excited. The quality is going to be great. The streaming should be way better than Pluto Sports. But yeah, this game is a great game. Now, Eastern Washington is coming off a, a win over Lindenwood, where we broke so many different stats on you know offensive stats. Our offensive stats were through the roof. We had over like 750 total yards of offense. Um, the defense did struggle a little bit, and it, w- it was mainly in the second and third quarter where, you know, there was some there was some issues. Um, and unfortunately, one one of the big things that happened was uh, Merritt he broke his tibial and fibula, and that's where you start seeing the decline of Eastern Washington's defense. Prior to that, you know, we were thirty one to zero. We were dominating them on both sides of the ball, and then after that injury, we we definitely started playing a little sloppy. Some people are blaming it on the injury, saying, you know, that definitely messed with the mentality of Eastern Washington, which which it definitely could have. I'm not going to say it's not, but this is this is a game where we shouldn't let that affect our mentality. Um, this is a D2 opponent. We, we should have stomped them if we are a national contending team. Now, we still beat them by a good amount. We beat them by about 28 points, but we were on pace to absolutely shut them out. And I, I get injuries are tough. I understand, but our offense still continued to play at that high caliber level, and that's where the injury happened. Our defense is what what really started struggling. 
um, penalties were awful. We had 140 yards of penalties. That that's tough, especially when we're we're planning on going against one of the best offenses in the nation in Jacksonville State this next week. We can't have that type of showing versus D two opponent. And I'm pretty sure Coach Best is he's prepped his team. I, I'm not worried about that. I don't think we'll have that same type of a showing on defense. I think we'll be really prepared. I think we'll come out with fire. We won't jump out to a 31 to zero lead, which is good. You know, maybe that's one of the reasons why our mentality started slacking a little bit because the game was honestly early in garbage time in quarter two. That could be a factor. I'm not sure. We definitely didn't play with the, the poise on defense that I thought we should have, but oh well, it's one game. It's behind us. Let's focus on the positives of that game. And the positives were our offense was lights out. It's impressive versus any level of opponent when you have over 750 total yards of offense. I don't care if it's D2. That broke Eastern Washington's records, and we've been playing D2 teams, and we've had top-tier offenses this whole decade. You know, back when we played, who was it? Um, Western Montana, which is an NAIA team. You know, that's lower than D2, I believe. Our offense didn't do this. When we played Central Washington last year, our offense didn't do this. And Central Washington's a much better D2 team. So if we focus on the positives, Eric Berrier looked legit. He still has yet to turn over the ball. Um, let's knock on wood, guys. Hopefully I didn't jinx that. He still has yet to turn over the ball. And he's played a top-tier University of Washington team and then a D2 team. He tore up this team. Um, he's had, what, now seven total touchdowns, zero turnovers, you know, 700 yards in the air. He's looking way more improved. He's reading defenses a little better. There were some missed throws, but overall, Eric looked phenomenal. And I'm really excited to see what happens. Then you got to look at Dre Dorton. Oh my gosh. Have you guys ever heard of a guy named Cooper Cup? I don't know if you have. I know he's a pretty small name in the Eastern Washington community, but <laughs> Dre Dorton now has the number one record for most receiving yards in a game. Cooper Cup had number one and number two. Now Cooper Cup has number two and number three, which is insane because I'm trolling. Cooper Cup is the greatest FCS receiver of all time. Now, I know you can make some arguments that there's Jerry Rice, there was Randy Moss, but if you just look at their collegiate stats, they both are way behind Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is the most prolific wide receiver of all time in all NCAA. Now, I'm not saying he's the most talented. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he even he's the best. I'm saying he is the most prolific. So when you have a kid who's pretty unknown, I mean, Dorton is a senior. He's played for Eastern, you know, the last four years. He's he's accumulated, what, 200 yards total throughout his career. He had 80 more yards in this one game than he has throughout his whole career. So I don't know if this was the perfect storm of, you know, Andrew Boston sat out. He, he was injured. He wasn't 100%, so he didn't play. I assume he's going to play this week. Um, my guess is Coach Best said, hey, if you're not 100%, this is against, you know, Lindenwood. My guess is we don't fully need you. Let's have you sit because we will need you this next week. We need to put points on the board versus Jacksonville State. Let's have you sit. Let's have you get rested. Let's have you be 100% for our next game. So here comes Johnny Edwards and Dre Dorton that emerge. And Dorton, holy crap, he had 100 or 289 yards. Something stupid like that and three touchdowns. It was it was insane watching him. He was always open. <laughs> the first play of the game was like a 75-yard bomb to Dre Dorton, uh, who scored a touchdown. 
that's a way we wa- we want to start off every game. That was amazing. It was a perfect throw, perfect catch, perfect run, perfect route. Everything was amazing about it. Dorton looked like a stud. So again, I don't know if this was a perfect storm because Andrew Boston was out, or if maybe Dorton has finally finally um, seen his full potential, and maybe he is going to be this playmaker moving forward. That's my hope. I hope so. I'm rooting for the kid because he did look incredible, and I'll take as many weapons as we can get. And right now, he looks like a weapon. Him, Andrew Boston, Johnny Edwards, um, Freddie Robinson, Jace Gilder for the tight end, they all look like studs, and, and they can really mess with any FCS-level defensive back in the country. So I hope it wasn't just the perfect storm. I hope we're going to see this continue, this trend, because we, we definitely need them, especially going into this game. Jacksonville State has struggled this year, and they've also played really good. Jacksonville State started the season as the number six or seven team in the nation. Then they dropped back to, you know, in the 20s, and now they're starting to climb back again because of their last win over Chattanooga. Now they're number 17 in the nation. Their first game was pathetic. They played, you know, southeastern Louisiana. And what's crazy is, so they got beat pretty badly. I think it was like 35 to 10. I don't have the stats in front of me. But Zarek Cooper, Jacksonville State's quarterback, was blitzed every single play. Jacksonville State's O-line struggled. They did not look good. They looked bad. But Zarek Cooper is a stud. Their quarterback, he was a Clemson transfer. He's a stud. He was he was a beast last year. He looks to be a, a beast this year. He's big. He's fast. He's athletic. He can throw. He still threw for almost 80% and 400 yards. Now, he did have two interceptions. That's something that should cause for you know maybe concern to Jacksonville State fans, and we should be happy about that because the two throws he made were bad they they were they were throws where you can't blame it on the wide receiver you can't even give that much credit to the defense they were just really bad throws they were bad reads that was all on the quarterback but the rest of the game especially when you watching him get sacked every single play he looked amazing they had to throw a lot of slants a lot of hot routes because Selah's defensive line was dominating them and then i watched them play chattanooga this last week they look like they improved drastically. Now, I don't know because we didn't get to watch Sela play um, play their game in Week 2 because Hurricane Dorian canceled it. So I don't know if maybe Sela is the real deal or if they are if they just played a good game and Jacksonville State played a bad game. I'm not sure. You know, we need to wait to see more evidence. But we can judge them off the game they just played versus Chattanooga. Chattanooga is not a top 40 team in my opinion. But Jacksonville State handled them. They dominated them on all sides of the ball. Zarek Cooper, again, killed. He threw, let me see, let me check the stats real quick. Because I think he had another almost 80% accuracy game and, you know, 400 yards through the air. Let me see. So they won 41-20. to Zarek Cooper, he threw 20 for 26, 350 yards, two touchdowns, and another interception. He has thrown interceptions. So he already has three interceptions through the first two games versus what I would say no... No team is a level of Eastern, but we got to watch out for Sarah Cooper and we have to watch out for their wide receiving core. Um, they have this kid, Trey Berry. He's a junior. He's 6'7", 235 pounds. And right now he is averaging, you know, 120 yards a game. He's going to be tough. That is a wide receiver we need to look out for. Their best receiver on the team, I actually think, is Josh Pearson. 
I believe his name is Josh Pearson. Let me double check. <laughs> Sorry, Jacksonville State, if you're if you're listening. Yeah, Josh Pearson. Okay, I'm right. I shouldn't doubt myself. He's another big boy. He's 6'4", 205 pounds. He was our leading receiver last year. He's definitely a thousand type yard receiver. He's been off to a slow start this year, I would say. You know, he only had 25 yards this last game. He had 81 versus Sela. Um, he's a deep threat. He's got great hands. He's athletic. He's big. He's fast. And I mean, if, if honestly, if we're just covering all of Jacksonville state, that that's a good description for every single one of their receivers. They're big, they're fast, they're physical, they're athletic. A lot of them are P5 transfers. There's, they had one kid from Notre Dame. I don't know if he's playing yet. And I forgot his name off the top of my head, but he was actually playing at Notre Dame and then transferred. So he, he actually had you know, P5 level starting experience. Their wide receivers are stacked. I would say talent-wise, probably second to none in the FCS. Good news is their offensive line still was struggling. Now, they didn't give up a sack to Chattanooga, but Zarek Cooper was pressured still on, on a lot of plays, and he had a scramble. He had to make a play. I remember watching one play, and it was pretty ridiculous. He was, you know, diving... Or he was, he was rushed, he was running to the outside, he got hit, and while getting hit, he lobbed it up like a 50-50 ball. Not a smart throw. It was not a smart throw, but he has trust in his wide receivers. And that's why he was able to throw it up there, lob it up there, and the wide receiver caught it for like 15 yards. The ball went like 50, 50 freaking yards in the air. It was, it was ridiculous. The arm strength on this kid is amazing. But there are some mismatches. Let's talk about the mismatches you know, and maybe I'm rambling a little bit. Let's talk about Eastern Washington benefiting from Jacksonville State first. I think both of our lines on both sides of the ball are better than Jacksonville State's. Jacksonville State has a really young and inexperienced line on both sides of the ball. I think their defensive line will struggle getting to Eric. But also, if one person does break through the line and they do get to Eric, I have faith in Eric's ability of scrambling He's fast. I don't think Jacksonville State's ever seen a quarterback like him. There's there's at least not many quarterbacks like that in the in the OVC. And the types of teams they've played in the playoffs recently, you know, they had Kennesaw State, who was a triple option team. They, you know, that is a running quarterback, but it's different. Then they played Maine, which we saw Maine. Maine Maine was a big statue of a quarterback who didn't move. They they don't play many teams like Eastern Washington, and they don't play many players that Eastern Washington has will probably be the most athletic team they've ever gone against and the fastest team they've ever gone against, which is exciting. So I do think our line on both sides of the ball will favor Eastern Washington. I think Jacksonville state will struggle with that. Now let's flip it and give Jacksonville state some credit. Our defensive backs, they're young and inexperienced. They're really talented. They're really athletic, but they're, they're not playing to their full potential yet. We saw that last week versus Lindenwood. There was a lot of plays where our line got to the quarterback and the quarterback would lob it up there. And for some reason, their wide receivers were pretty open. If Lindenwood's wide receivers are going to be able to do that, just think about what Jacksonville State's could. We, we really need to clean up our defensive backs. Now, I get it's early and they're inexperienced. As more time goes on, they're going to get better. But this is a tough task for them in week three. I, I was kind of hoping, you know, well, not hoping because I already knew what the schedule would be, but I would I would more favor our defensive backs in week 10 of this type of a game 
versus week three, I do think Jacksonville State is going to score some points. There's going to be some openings. There's going to be some wide receivers out by themselves. And it's just because we do lack a little bit of experience on them. Our ones and twos from last year's, they're all gone. We're starting all brand new players on the on the DB side. And it is an area for some concern. Now to go back to where Eastern Washington is going to favor, I think our whole offense is a mismatch for Jacksonville State's defense. I don't think Jacksonville State has a great defense. Now they held Chattanooga to 20 points, I believe. Sorry, I have to keep checking my phone. Um, Yeah, they held Chattanooga to 20 points. Chattanooga is nowhere near the offense we are. Um, They held Sela to 35 points. Sela is nowhere near the offense we are. My guess is Eastern Washington's offense is going to pretty much do whatever they want to do against Jacksonville State. I I don't see many many areas where I'm scared of our offense going against them. We should be able to run the ball. We should be able to pass. Eric should really be able to pick apart this defense. But if if our defensive backs don't improve drastically, this could be a shootout type of game. Now, I have more faith in our defense and their defense to where we'll be able to get some stops because we do have a very experienced defensive defensive line. Our linebackers are legit too. I think we'll be able to get more stops than they will. So I do favor us in this game. If I had a pick, I would I would probably pick Eastern Washington at you see 44 to 44 to 32. And it's changed a little bit. I, I do think we will win by, you know, maybe two possessions. But am I so confident in that that I would bet the house? Absolutely not. Um, and it's just because, you know, we have seen some very mixed playing from Eastern Washington the last couple weeks. I don't take a lot into the count from the University of Washington game. I mean, what's there to look at besides we played we played good, as in we didn't turn over the ball. The penalties weren't there. But then you look at Lindenwood, 140 penalties. We let them score 31 points. We turned the ball over twice. Now I get one of them was Gunner, you know, throwing his one pass in garbage time, his very first pass, and it was intercepted. But that muff punt was pretty bad. We, we should have never done that. Call a fair catch. We let Lindenwood score some points off penalties, which we can't let Jacksonville State score some points off penalties. If we do, we're in for a lot of trouble. But that is my fearless prediction. Now, guys, I have some pretty exciting news. I was actually able to interview um, a kid named Brandon Owens, who I have known for the last couple of years off FCS Fans Nation. He is one of the biggest Jacksonville State fans. He's a part of their band, which... Band kids in the South are crazy for their football. It's pretty awesome. But he also is a host of the Cocky Nation podcast. So I'm going to, you know, put his put his interview right now so you guys can listen. You know, he's definitely gonna favor Jacksonville State a little bit, but he has some good things to say. Here's here's Brandon Owens with Cocky Nation podcast. Eagles Nation, we would like to welcome to the Eagles Hour, Brandon Owens, who's one of the hosts of the Cocky Nation podcast. Him and I have actually known each other for a couple years through the FCS Fans Nation Facebook page. You know, I've known him as to be one of the biggest Jacksonville State fans, and now he has his own podcast. So um, thanks for jumping on the show with us. Brandon, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. We just got done recording our episode for this week. So yeah, we're doing good. Perfect. Yeah, I know we tried to record earlier, but there were some technical difficulties, but you sound good right now, so hopefully this one works. Hopefully, hopefully. 
Yeah, well, before we dive into the interview, um, why don't you do a quick introduction of yourself and your podcast and, you know, how Eagles Nation can, you know, find your podcast because I'm sure they'll want to listen to it today since, you know, you'll have that Jacksonville State bias observer, you know, observation um, going into the game. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, as Kyler introduced me, I'm Brandon Owens. I am a sixth year senior at Jacksonville State. I will be graduating next fall with a degree in music education. I'm an avid uh, sports fan, so that's why I have uh, am into all this. It's kind of like my hobby. Um, but for Cocky Nation, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Cocky underscore Nation. And then we, our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and uh, Spotify, as well as the Anchor app. So yeah, give awesome. us a listen, like our like and follow our pages. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely share your podcast. So when it goes live, I'll share it um, definitely for this week because I'm sure some of Eagles Nation will want to hear the opposing side. Um, as my co- my podcast is going to be, you know, way more Eastern Washington centric focus. So, um, well, before we dive into Jacksonville State. What do you know about Eastern Washington? It could be about the school, the the football team, the state. Like, I want to quiz you a little bit. Let's see what you know, man. All right. So the only time I went to the state of Washington was for my senior trip uh, after I graduated high school. My family was going to Hawaii, and we had a um, stop in uh, Seattle. So I got to look at Seattle, get to get the feel of the state of Washington. And it is absolutely gorgeous up there. Um, I've also seen pictures from some of the big sky um, uh, football stadiums and the views just blow my mind. Uh, We sort of have something like that at JSU. We're in the foothills of the Appalachian Mount. um, We're in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. So, I mean, we have somewhat of the uh, same view, but definitely not as beautiful as some of the big sky schools. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm actually from, you know, just south of Seattle. So western Washington is really completely different than eastern Washington. Eastern Washington, um, you know, doesn't have – they have the mountains, but it's completely different type of mountains. Like, they don't mount right here. It's really green over in western Washington. We're on the eastern side, you know, they get more sun, a little more dry weather. Um, but like behind Eastern Washington, it has the Palouse foothills, which maybe it's not as scenic as Weber, Southern Utah, Montana, but it's still really pretty. Um, the pictures don't do justice. So hopefully maybe next year when Jacksonville state makes its way up to Eastern, maybe you can go up to, you know, the Eastern Washington game. Um, hopefully, hopefully you like it, but Uh, yeah, let's, uh, I actually do uh, plan on making that trip. Um, I'm really excited to see the Inferno, see the Eagles at the on their home turf so it'll be very it'll be a lot of fun yeah you'll have to come you know before the new stadium upgrade and then after and see which one is a little better the the new stadium upgrade looks beautiful definitely definitely well speaking of stadiums jacksonville state has you know one of the largest fcs stadiums and one of the largest fcs fans um fan bases in you know in the country so what what's the type of atmosphere that creates for really tough home environment. Is it, you know, you just have an average of 20,000 people. Is it your band? What makes Jacksonville state such a tough place to play? Um, definitely the noise. Um, most of our games were averaging definitely 
between 11,000 and um, 19,000. We do have a few games during the year that get above that, which those games are really electric and the atmosphere of those games are just awesome. True Southern football. Um, our band does play a huge role into the noise. Um, if the team is right in front of the band, close to the end zone, we will be making so much noise, uh, trying to get you off your game, lots of heckling, um, all in good fun, though. So, so it's you know the heckling definitely sounds like the Montana type of crowd, but you mentioned the band, so. If I am correct, I, I guess it's band day at Jacksonville State, which is a huge deal, I guess, for you guys. Um, now, since band is not a big deal up in the Northwest, you know, um, I would say it's not even, you know, top two, top three most important things of our game day atmosphere. It's definitely the football, beer, and crowd, and that's about it. Maybe the cannon or the screeching eagle that goes off when we score touchdowns to get first downs. But the band, you know, is there. It's not bad, but it's it's not a big time part of our football atmosphere so what is band day exactly and does that make the stadium you said you you sell out every now and then is that one of the typical days where you guys sell out that makes it even a more tough environment than already prior yes uh so we draw in anywhere from 1500 to 2000 middle school and high school students every single year um and including their families and everything that that can get anywhere from 5,000 to 7,000 fans just there for band day, including the students. Um, but band day is more of a recruiting tool for us. Um, that's why we open it up to middle schoolers to get them interested in coming to Jacksonville state for the marching Southerners. Um, and it really does help because we have, we now have probably the biggest collegiate marching band in the nation. Um, right around 550 members. Um, but yeah, it, it does play a role into um, game day a lot. Uh, like I said, it's a recruiting deal for Southerners. It brings in a bunch of people. Um, our, actual um, our actual record for attendance was against Liberty a few years ago, and we were just about 60 people short from having that entire stadium filled. And what is the capacity of the, the complete stadium? 24,000 seating and probably anywhere from twenty six to 27,000 standing room. Not not on top of that. You're just saying um, total, total with standing yeah. room? With standing room, it, yeah. it can get up to 26,000, 27,000. Wow, and you guys are only, you know, 60, or 60 shy of hitting that 27 mark, you think? Uh, twenty four. 24,000 because okay. that was seating. seating capacity. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a that's a big-time stadium for, you know, the FCS level. It looks a lot this, – the style is different than Montana, of course, but it, it's very similar in terms of capacity to what we see pretty much every other year at Montana. Um, so that's exciting. It'll be fun to play them, play University of Washington, and then Montana. That's three big crowds. So that's, that's pretty fun for our, our Eastern Washington team. Um, so – Jacksonville State started off as, what, the number six or seven team in the nation, and they dropped down quite a bit, and now they're trying to work their way back up. They're number 17 right now. I know what happened, but maybe some of our Eastern Washington listeners don't really focus on teams outside of the big sky. 
So what was the cause for the drastic drop and how's Jacksonville State looking as a whole this year? Because I know you guys have been, you know, one of the powerhouses of the FCS this last decade. Yeah, so um, our um, first game, it was just awful. Uh, discipline issues, uh, first game jitters for some people. Um, I'm glad we got that first loss out, of, first bad loss out of the way early. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of discipline issues. Cooper just making mental mistakes. Um, yeah. Uh, Going into the second week, we improved drastically. So I'm I'm very happy at the way that our team looks after uh, week two. So hopefully Eastern will be a really good test for us. Yeah, uh, you guys definitely looked way improved um, this last week compared to your first first week game versus you know Sela. Surprisingly, I'm going to be able to watch three Jacksonville State games in a row. Um, I watched your Sela game. I watched the Chattanooga game all the way through, and I'm going to watch the Eastern game, of course. So, man, I've actually seen you guys just as much as Eastern. You guys should be proud. Yeah. <laughs> um, what What would you say is Jacksonville State's biggest strengths on their team? Um, let's go – yeah, let's just go biggest strengths as a whole. It doesn't have to be separated by offense and defense. Um, as a whole, definitely our wide receiving core. Um I'll go into the stats of some players later, but our our wide receivers have get, have racked up yards on top of yards on top of yards. And then Zarek Cooper, obviously, um, I mentioned in our podcast earlier that he's in the running for the Walter Payton Award as well as Eric Berrier. Um, so definitely those two are um, our biggest strengths. Um, we also have a lot of passion. Um, in big games like this during the regular season, as you saw with the Kennesaw State game last year, we had passion to win that game. I mean, it, it's a top program. We want to prove ourselves um, in the FCS that we can compete with those bigger name teams. I mean, we just have so much drive and passion looking into this game. Yeah, I definitely know, you know, Zarek Cooper and their wide receivers – they're definitely a tough bunch, and it's going to be tough for our defensive backs to cover them. Um, our defensive backs are really talented, but they're still really young and unproven. And we've seen them, you know, miss some reads. Um, you know, they're they're kind of playing, having rookie mistakes, I guess I can say. Um, so this is definitely going to be a big test. Your guys' wide receivers are big, they're fast, they're physical. Um, that's going to be a tough matchup. So I do think that is your biggest strength, too. Um, now, what's your... What's some of your biggest weaknesses as a team? Um, definitely discipline. Um, the past few years, the fans have had a big issue with the team just making mental mistakes and costing us yards and points over penalties. So discipline, it's better this year, but we still struggle with it. So that's definitely a weakness. Um, our O-line. Y'all will definitely kill us on O-line. Um, I'm really hoping that they have worked a lot on the O-line this week um, to match up to your defensive line and your linebackers. Um, so I'm really hoping that that's a lot improved this year. And at times our coach just does not show that he wants to fight for certain calls. He doesn't fight for our boys at times. 
So that's, that's a, that might be minor to some people, but for me at least, that's a big issue for me. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, speaking of your discipline areas, I mean, I don't know if you were able to watch the Eastern game this last week. We we definitely had some discipline issues as well. Um, we jumped up to a 31-0 lead, and then we gave up really 21 points just because of our penalties and our, our dumb, I guess, dumb mistakes. You know, we played a little sloppy. Like, there was one drive from Lindenwood. Our defense stopped them three and out, and then we got an unsportsmanlike conduct. Um, so they got 15 extra yards, and it was an automatic first down. And then we muffed a punt. So then they, then they got the ball at like the 10-yard line and was able to score a touchdown. We, we stopped them twice on the drive, on, on one drive. Um, but our penalties were, were the cause of them scoring quite a bit of points last week. So hopefully both teams clean it up, and hopefully both teams are able to you know play their heart out and, and give each other a true test. Um, who are your players to watch on Jacksonville State's offense and defense? All right, so I'm going to start with defense because I have more teams, uh, more players on the offensive side. Um, two big names that you need to really watch out for on defense is Marlon Bridges and Zach Woodward. They both have 15 tackles in two games. Um, ESPN did not give me like the breakdown of the tackles, so I don't know how many of those are sacks, how many of those are for yards lost. But, I mean, 15 tackles in two games, that's very impressive on the defensive side. Yeah, that is. Um, on the offensive side, I have Zarek Cooper. He is, in two games, he is 60 for 78, 70%, 77% uh, completion, completion rate for uh, 758 total yards, four touchdowns, and three interceptions. Now, the interceptions, that will improve over the season, but I'm, I'm betting that he is definitely working on that this week heading into the Eastern game. So I'm not I'm worried about it, but I'm not as worried as I was going into the Chattanooga game. Um, three wide receivers you need to watch out for are Trey Berry. Uh, sixteen he has sixteen receptions for two hundred thirty four yards. Uh, Josh Pearson he has eight receptions for one hundred six yards, and Jamari Hester he has who has nine receptions for one hundred seventy seven yards. So like I said before, our wide receivers have racked up yards in just two games. Yeah, yeah, your your wide receivers look really talented. Um talk about Zarek Cooper a little bit. You know, where is he from? I know he's in the runnings for the Walter Payton Award. He's, you know, a very accurate quarterback. He's thrown what, 77% on the season already. Um he has multiple 400-yard games in his career. I mean, he's an absolute beast. Um, so talk about him a little bit, and, and then I have a follow-up question once we learn more about Zarek Cooper. Um, Zarek Cooper is a Clemson transfer. He's a four-star quarterback from Clemson. Um, he was back up to Trevor Lawrence. Um, phenomenal athletes to both of them. Um, but some of the stats that I find very interesting about um, Jacksonville State for him – hold on, let me pull it up right quick. Um, he's just had two amazing games, um, throwing yards, rushing was an issue in the CLA game. He rushed for negative nine yards, um, but he definitely improved that, um, going into Chattanooga. Um, just the size of him 
it is just unbelievable. 6'4", 225 pounds from Jonesboro, Georgia. It's just unbelievable how big this guy is. And until you see him in person, it is you have no idea how big he is, actually. Like, so you guys have some... So just I want to compare his size, I guess, because you brought up the size. How big is he compared to that main quarterback? Because we both saw the main quarterback last year, and that guy was like 6'7", 285. Like, <laughs> he looked like a freaking lineman. Is there a Cooper like that? I mean, I've seen him on TV, but, you know, maybe some of the other fans haven't. Um, I know he's he's a big athletic dude, He though. is definitely not as big as the main quarterback. Um, he is very... He's a lot like Cam Newton in some ways. Um, I went to the Alabama-Auburn game my um, junior year of high school, and my reaction that I had to Zarek Cooper was my exact reaction when I saw Cam Newton in person. I, I did not realize how big both of them were until I saw them in person. It, it's just unreal. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. So I, I could see that um... – comparison Zarek Cooper to Cam Newton in terms of size and actually even arm strength and legs you know of course Cam Newton's an unreal talent we'll have to see what type of person Zarek can become see if he can make that next level jump but I can definitely see the comparison in size I I do have the follow-up question I have for you so he has you know 750 yards ish um, passing right now four touchdowns but he has three interceptions should is, is that a big worrisome? Like, is that a concern for you guys? Or were those um, more plays on the wide receivers? How come he's been throwing so many interceptions to start the year? Because Eric Barrier has six touchdowns and zero interceptions. All right. So we actually talked about this in our episode today. Um, the Chattanooga game interception, because he only had one interception in the Chattanooga game. It looked like it came off of his fingers wrong. So it... It, it was more or less how he handled the ball in that one when he was getting ready to throw. Um, it just looked weird, and I'm probably sure it felt weird. But in the C-Log game, it, it was just mental errors. He was throwing into coverage, and that's why he got picked off in the C-Log game. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I definitely watched the C-Log game, and there was a couple, couple I think, bad reads and i don't know if that was on the wide receivers eric cooper um but overall i mean he is an extraordinary talent especially at this fcs level so it'll be fun for our players to you know get a go against him so brandon let's hear your fearless score prediction what do you think the game's gonna look like how's it gonna how's it gonna turn out all right so i think it's gonna be very evenly matched after the CY loss i thought it wasn't gonna be it was gonna be eastern and a landslide but after seeing them play against chattanooga even though chattanooga is nowhere near the team eastern is but we handled them pretty well so that made me feel a little bit more comfortable going into the game um just the mismatches uh our o-line against your defensive backs and defensive line um your um cornerbacks versus um, our wide receivers, it really evens out. And I, I, this game makes me really nervous, but I have JSU winning 45 to 35. Wow. You think you're going to be able to score 45 on Eastern? 
Yeah, um, part of that is the stadium noise. Um, we're expecting to have close to a sellout, if not a sellout. Um, that game is just going to be really loud. That student section, it, the student section we have right now is not going to hold all the students that have told me that they are going to be at the game. Um, so not to mention how many fans themselves are going to be there. I, I just don't – I know you Eastern fans always say, well, Montana's environment is a lot tougher. Well, yeah, but you also have to realize Southern football is a lot different from football in the North. Okay. I, I, so I, I do live in the South now, so I definitely understand that aspect. Um, but – I will have to wait and see what Jacksonville State looks like, you know, on TV, because I will disagree about the Montana thing. Um, I do think Montana as a whole has one of the best atmospheres, really, in college ball. But, I mean, to your point, we did play against University of Washington just a couple weeks ago, and they do have the loudest stadium record of all time. It's it's in the college record book. It's the loudest stadium. Um, at, I think it was like 130-something decibels. And then... Um, but I'm curious. They only scored 47 on us. So you think your offense is going to be comparable to the University of Washington's? Um, it is definitely a difference in talent. Um, I, I definitely okay. do think with how smart Zarek is, I think he'll find a way to scramble, get away from, the, from Eastern's defense, and make a play. I mean, I'll even – go back to the Chattanooga game. There were so many throws that he just tossed up and trusted his uh, wide receivers to make a play. And they did make a play. Trey Berry, um, Trey Berry, yep. I'm pretty sure you saw the catch that I'm about to mention. Trey Berry literally dove for a ball near the end zone and made the catch. And none of the Chattanooga p- uh, players didn't even rush to get the ball. They thought it was going to be completely incomplete. And Trey Berry just made a play. And Zarek Cooper lobbed it up. So it'll be those kind of plays that will set Jacksonville State aside from Eastern. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I I did see one of these plays where um, Zarek was having to scramble out of the pocket because, like you mentioned you know, before the O-line struggles a little bit. So he was struggling outside the pocket and he made like some diving throw. It was, it seemed like it was like 60 yards straight up in the air and then came back down um, maybe 20 yards away. And yeah, there was a receiver that came out of nowhere um, who caught it. So I I understand what you're saying. Yeah, he definitely knows how to extend the plays. So that'll be kind of a fun matchup to see if maybe Chris Ojo or uh, uh, Dylan Ledbetter can can work to try and contain him. Those are our, our two most experienced defensive linemen. So that is going to be the tough part. Um, so perfect. Yeah, we heard your fearless score prediction. I think it's wrong, but it's, it's okay. Um, I wouldn't expect you to pick Eastern winning, just like I'm sure you wouldn't expect me to pick um, Jacksonville State to win. So now, Brandon, it's going to be your time to ask the EG. This is you can ask me whatever you like. It could be football-related, life-related. I really don't care. You can try and stump me. So do you have a question in mind? If not, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I do, actually. Um, 
how do you think Eastern is going to fare against the Big Sky this year? Because y'all mentioned on your podcast, uh, which I listened to during my workout today, that the Big Sky is just loaded. The Big Three are just absolutely loaded this year. So how do you think Eastern's going to fare in the Big Sky? Yeah, um, the Big Sky looks probably as strong as it's ever looked on paper right now and even to start the year. Um, they've had, I, I brought up a lot of like the Macy rankings and stuff like that on today's FCS fans nation right now. They've had the number one strength of schedule across the board and they, they look really good. There's probably five to six teams who could potentially make a run at the playoffs. And then probably another four teams that can spoil anyone's playoff chances at any given time. Luckily for Eastern, you know, we, we actually dodged the bullet in the scheduling department because, I'm sure you're aware the Big Sky has 13 teams, so you can't play all conference games. You know, there's going to be five, five-ish teams that you're not going to play every year, um, and it just happens to be rotation. You know, they make the schedules four years in advance, and four years ago, Weber State and UC Davis were both kind of jokes of the Big Sky. Weber was a two-win team. UC Davis was a two-win team, um, but they're not on the schedules this year. Montana State is not on the schedule this year. The only... You know, we have Northern Arizona, we have Montana, um, and we go to Montana on the road. But those are really the only games that I consider could be potentially tough in our Big Sky schedule, just because we, we kind of got the, the luck of the draw where normally we play the toughest teams. Like last year, we were the only Big Sky playoff team to play every other Big Sky playoff team. No other Big Sky playoff team played everyone else. Like UC Davis and Weber, they avoided each other where we had to play all of them. This year, we play none of them. So, so it's interesting. So I think Eastern is still a shoe in to really win the big sky. There's only one game where I see it could be questionable. And that's really because it's at Montana and Montana looks really hot to start the year, but they looked really hot to start last year. And we've just been better than them all decade. And I don't see that going away this year yet. So I, I do think Eastern Washington has a really good chance to run the table in the big sky or maybe only win or maybe only lose one game. Um, Hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, it did. Um, I'm really excited to see how Eastern does this season. Yeah, me, me too. It should be really good. Um, there are some learning curves on our defensive side of the ball, but I'm sure, as you saw last week, we set offensive records. Cooper Cup no longer has the most receiving yards in a game at Eastern Washington. He did hold the number two and number one record. Now it's Dre Dorton who has it. Um, he had 289 receiving yards last game and three touchdowns and our number one receiver wasn't even in the game. He didn't suit up. Um, we had what 780 yards of offense last, <laughs> last week. So it, it should be fun. Uh, we might be more towards a 2016 type of team where it's very offensive heavy. Um, and our defense can make some stops in the red zone. But I mean, that 2016 team was still a semifinal team and one of the favorites to win it all. So we, we might have one of those type of teams I don't know if we're going to be as balanced as last year. We might be. It's still really early, and you know we play two opposites of opponents to really gauge how Eastern Washington's going to do. Um, but yeah, Brandon, I, I got to say, well, first, actually, before we let you go, we do have one more question for any of the maybe only 50 Eastern Washington fans uh, planning to visit Jacksonville State because it is super far away. What are some of the things you know Eastern Washington fans need to go go see, go do, go eat while they're visiting your guys' home field? 
All right, so I know Kelsey is making the trip down. She definitely made that. She's she is not. not. She is not anymore. Yeah, she she uh, couldn't swing it. Kelsey, come on. I was looking forward to meeting you in person. Um, but for all you other Eastern Washington fans that are coming, um, I have a few restaurants that you need to check out. Uh, Jefferson's, we have... We have um, Jefferson's is a chain restaurant uh, all around the southeast. Um, I think the furthest that we have a restaurant is in Kansas or Missouri. Um, but the original one is here in Jacksonville. Uh, really great wings, really great burgers. They also have oysters on their um, menu. Not my favorite, but um, they also have your typical beers, draft beers, on um in that in the restaurant as well another one that is a rival of jefferson's and it's just equally as good is struts it's literally not far from the stadium you could go eat there and walk to the stadium for the game um same thing as jefferson's wings and burgers but the interesting about struts is they turn into a bar after they close so that might be something that you would want to um check out Another place is Cooter Brown's, really great Southern barbecue, wings and burgers as well. Um, their wings are actually really, really good. Um, so, and it's very, very popular around here. A lot of the local, a lot of the campus organizations, if they want a meal catered, they get Cooter Brown's. Um, if you're wanting Mexican, I have two in mind. Loco Mex is smaller, the smaller uh, restaurant. And then Baja is the bigger one. It's located near our Walmart, local Walmart. Um, Baja has some of the best, if you're a margarita drinker, it has some of the best margaritas in, in the city. Is Their margaritas are so good. Um, we also have a lot of a variety of fast food restaurants. So your McDonald's, Wendy's, uh, Burger King, Dairy Queen, a lot of that. But the one I will tell you, you do you do need to eat at before you go back to Washington is cookout. And the reason I say that is one, it's cheap, and two, their milkshakes are out of this world. I highly suggest if you're wanting fast food, go to cookout. Well, perfect. You gave us a lot to choose from, so maybe someone has to stay for a whole week just to just to eat everything. It all sounds amazing. I hope some of the Eastern Washington fans can go out there and. You know, I, I don't anticipate us having a great size crowd because it is all the way across the country. Uh, but yeah, it, it should be fun. I'm really excited for this game. I'm glad our, our two athletic directors, you know, push this to make a home and away game. Uh, so we get to experience, you know, the OVC. You guys get to experience a big sky because it's it's something we really never get to play unless it's playoffs. So this is an awesome game. Brandon, I got to say thank you for you and Cocky Nation for coming on the show. Um, let's hope for a great game. Let's hope for no injuries. And can we get a Go Eags out of you? Just this once. Go Eags, fear the beak. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, I'll let you plug your podcast one more time um, so Eastern Washington fans and Big Sky fans can listen. And then I'll let you go. Yeah, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cocky Nation under or Cocky underscore Nation. And then our podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, um, Anchor, and Spotify, as well as some smaller um, networks. Um, but those are the biggest ones. 
So yeah, follow us, keep up with us, give us a listen, like our uh, social media pages. We are also on Facebook. So if you just type in Cocky Nation, Cocky Nation, a JSU podcast, you should be able to find us, request to join, and we'll include you on everything. All right. Well, well, thanks, Brandon, and I hope you have a great rest of the day. And um, I'll, I'll be watching this Saturday from my from my house in Houston. You too. You be safe. All right. Have a good one.